Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronis, good to be back on in the afternoon. I know you were here, but I wasn't. Yes, good to have you back, Doc, here in the mid-afternoon. Certainly seems like a better time slot for us. Yeah, you, you don't think Friday night at 7 o'clock people are listening? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. I think there's a happy hour and dinner and things of that nature. Uh, dude, I, I have run the gamut of bad time slots on radio. I've had the graveyard shift. You've never done the graveyard shift. you always had good time slots on it. Uh, yeah, morning drive for most of the time, even though those early 6 a.m. shows were not great, but obviously that's a good time slot to be in. So, yeah, for the most part, uh, I, I don't mind midnight. I know you don't have as much of an audience, but it fits more into my lifestyle. No, but the, the 20 people who are listening really like you. There they're, you go. It's better to have that contingent of real well-liked people <laughs> than a group where it's split. Maybe half of them hate you. Oh, my God. The, wor- the worst slot I've ever had was Sunday night. Did you ever do the Sunday night at like 10 o'clock spot with me ever? I think we did like 7 p.m. No, imagine I was on the 10 to midnight one. It was brutal. Nobody's listening to that one. After the games, nobody's listening to that. Yeah, it's a long day of football. People just want to like kind of either watch some shows. There's usually good shows on Sunday night or they just like, all right, I need to get away and uh, maybe go to bed early to start my Monday work week. Exactly. The only people listening to that are those who missed the game, who may be driving somewhere and want to recap. Otherwise, people are already like tuned out of football. So let me ask you this. The f- Speaking of football, Pro Bowl was yesterday. Did you watch anything? Nope. <laughs> no need to watch that at all. I had no interest. I wasn't around anyway. I was out. Well, yeah, I was out for most of the game. Uh, but even if I was, I would not watch it. I just have no interest in it. Uh, it there, there's no point to it. We know that there's no defense. Guys really don't play hard. It's just this game of people running around just having fun. I mean, I you see Juju highlights. got hurt though, right? He did. It was I didn't see any further reports, so I'm assuming it's not serious. I think any time in that game, if you get any type of nick, they're gonna pull you out. I hope so. I mean, the crazy thing was, you know how cold and, and crappy it's been in Florida the last couple of days. So it was it felt like 50 degrees in rain. You expect if you go to Orlando with your family, because I thought the Orlando with your family is a great thing because a lot of these guys would take their kids to Disney World. But, man, they, they had the worst weekend ever. Yeah, I did see that it was raining pretty heavily during the game. It did not look like a fun game to be at. So, I, I look, I don't feel like anyone has interest in the Pro Bowl at this time. And... I think a lot of people would be happy if they just nixed the game. So here we are. It's Super Bowl week. And I, I, I think I know the answer to this question, but have you ever worked on Radio Row during Super Bowl week? Yeah, once. Uh, when it was in New York or New Jersey, I uh, was able to be there for, I think, most of the week. I think it might have been the, maybe pretty much all five days. What was the hype like before Super Bowl week? Did you find, like, 
you know, where there's a low Monday and Tuesday, because it's a long wait to two weeks. You know, you're so used to seeing football every week from what, like August on, and now you got a two-week break without a football game. Did you find that it was too long a break, too much hype? What did you find? Uh, no, it seemed like obviously as the week went on, it picked up, but you know, there was pretty much uh, hype all week, and especially since it was in the New York area. And, of course, you have, like, a lot of celebrities out there, and they're usually promoting or selling something, a lot of former players. So uh, it's definitely a good experience to, to be around that. Uh, you know, I think to at least experience once was, was a fun time. Are you excited for this year's game? Are you happy? I mean, it's hard to be happy to see Tom Brady again. Can, I mean, is that, is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I'm not excited. I wanted to see the Chiefs get in. I wanted some new blood. You know, I don't hate the Patriots. I don't love them. I just wanted to see a different team. I'm kind of sick of hearing about them over and over again, and especially with them taking the slight underdog role where no one believes in us. It's like, it's garbage. You know, there's a lot of people. Yeah, they were three-point underdogs on the road to Kansas City, which essentially means the game was deemed even. Right. Yeah. So I was like, really? Like, if that game was in New game? England, do you think New England would have been a three-point favorite? Yes. Yeah, okay. So I just would like to see a different team. So I, I'm hoping we get a good game. It seems everyone thinks it's going to be close based on the spread, you know, two and a half, three at this point. So I'm not, like, extremely excited just because my team's not in it and the Patriots are in it, but... Uh, it's the final football game of the year, and we've had some good Super Bowls recently, so I'm hoping that can, trend continues. So let's say you were a Saints fan or a Chiefs fan. Let's just say, for argument's sake, would you not watch the Super Bowl because you were pissed off about some of the referee calls there? No, I would still watch it. I mean, anyone who says that then is not a true football fan. And, you know, the Super Bowl is something that pretty much everyone watches. You even have people who are not big into football watch, whether it's a Super Bowl party, people get together, you know, Maybe if you're not a football fan, you want to see the commercials, you want to see the halftime show. So it's a, a big event. And what does that do if you say, I'm not watching, my team got screwed? Uh, I don't think that's I think a there are Saint choice. fans who feel that way. I really do. I think there are Saint fans who actually feel, uh, they feel gypped and they feel they don't want to watch the Super Bowl. And look, I'm not saying I disagree with them and, and how they're feeling. I still would always watch the Super Bowl, but I get it. Well, I guess you can watch it and root against the Rams if you feel that right. way. You know, that gives you a rooting interest. I mean, it's hard to root for the Patriots. I mean, I actually did last year, which sucked, just because I didn't want to see the Eagles win the Super Bowl as a Cowboys fan, bit them being in the division. So I, I was not rooting for the Eagles last year at all. Actually, I can give you the inverse on that, Ronus. I could tell you that I would have rooted for the Eagles if I were you because the team that wins the Super Bowl one year never wins it after that. That's still not good enough. That means no. Come on, a, you know the no no team wins a Super Bowl two years in a row. Doesn't matter. The fact that they won it once is is bad enough. I mean, the Eagles had never won before. I wanted that trend to continue. I, you know, it's funny. I think I rooted for the Eagles last year because How of can Nick you Foles. as a Giants fan. No, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you because I like the whole Nick Foles story. It kind of reminded me of the Jeff Hostetler story, and secondly because. I just was tired of Tom Brady. I literally, I respect Tom Brady. I get the Patriots. I don't have ill will toward the Patriots. I just wanted anybody else on planet Earth to win. I agree with the Tom Brady thoughts, but not when it comes to Eagles, Giants, Redskins. I just can't root for those teams. This year, clearly, I'll be rooting for I the I can't Rams. root for the Redskins. I hate the Redskins, dude. 
Like See, there you go. Right. But I, I, I hit all those teams in the division. Well, all right. The Rams, I can root for the Rams. And I'm going to tell you this. I don't think the Rams get outcoached this week. The Rams may lose this game. And I'm, I'm okay with that. But they will not be outcoached, which I think Kansas City was outcoached, certainly defensively. That guy, Bob Sutton, was a train wreck. Yeah, they should have blitzed more, I think. They had no pressure on Brady at all. And the one thing you see from the Patriots, they just don't take deep shots down the field. So even if you blitzed and you get beat, you know, there's a chance that it's not a big play. So they needed to do something. We say it over and over. If you're going to beat the Patriots, you've got to put pressure on Brady. And I thought the Chargers with the defensive line that they had had an opportunity to do that that didn't pan out. We saw when the Giants were able to beat the Patriots, they were able to put a lot of pressure on Brady. So you're going to need to do that. And the Chiefs didn't even come close. I mean, Brady had all day to throw. I mean, how many third and tens did he convert in overtime? You know, I was trying to say that to my son because my son's he's starting to understand football. He loves the NBA, but doesn't really get football. I go, third and ten, you got to stop them. You don't make you don't convert some third downs. You know, if you're the Chiefs, you don't stop them on third downs. You lose this game. And it just seemed like every big play, Brady made a completion. It's just terrible. Yeah, at some point, you know, your defense has to make a stop there. Now, they were gassed. Uh, one thing was that the Patriots were on the field basically the whole game. I think they ran 97 plays. The Chiefs had like 47. So you knew once that coin flip went in the favor of New England, I was like, it's over. I think pretty much we all believe that. You were relying on the Chiefs' defense to make a big stop, and they were just gassed, and they didn't come through most of the game. But you got to make a stop on one of those. There was like, I think, four third-down conversions on that drive, and a lot of them were third and nine, third and ten. I know, third and nine. It was, if it was third and two, I could have like, all right. But third and ten, it was the same play that they ran to Edelman back the two plays in a row. I yeah. Mean, it was crazy. It was bad. It was bad, and they, they needed to do a better job, and, and they didn't. And I don't think anyone is surprised by it either. You know, I put a tweet out and said Chiefs had a great season, but if they want to be a Super Bowl winning team, they got to work on their defense. And I can't believe there's some people that disagreed with me. I mean, there's there's no disagreement humanly possible. The really? Chiefs like, offense. What, what was the disagreement? I don't. It was like, oh no, they were, it wasn't that. They yeah, the dude. The Patriots were played a great first half, maybe one of the best first halves I've ever seen. The Chiefs let up that terrible late touchdown in the end of the, in the second quarter that really hurt. But then the Chiefs played tremendous football in the second half. But you got to make one defensive play. One defensive play, you win the game. Yeah, they. Clearly... Oh, people blame D Ford. They blame D Ford. That was look. D Ford made a mistake, but that wasn't the reason they lost. It wasn't the reason they lost. It was. But here, that's the difference. Is that's a mental mistake that you can't have happen, and Ever. you right. usually don't see that from a Bill Belichick coach team. It's right. rare and. That that one boggles the mind. All you have to do is look where you're lined up. In fact, I saw the highlight where D. Ford was lined up again offside in the Pro Bowl yesterday. This time he had enough time to see it and backed off before the play was run. But you got to know where the ball is. All you have to do is look. You can tell whether you're offside. So that but was, D. Ford wasn't the reason they lost that game. No. Was but it? Or maybe it was because it they played they a part. play there. Yeah, they because if, if not, then it's an interception and the game's over. So, uh, yeah, that was brutal. For sure. But, yeah, the Chiefs clearly need help on the defensive side. Think about this, that the Chiefs got nothing out of Tyreek Hill. They got barely anything of Kelsey, and they still had a chance to win this game. I know, and I told you I told you this was going to happen. I told you they were going to take away 
uh, Travis Kelsey. And I told you when we before that show that the Patriots are going to run the ball. The Patriots are a run team right now. They run the ball with Michelle and Burkhead and White, that, and they throw very short passes. They've changed who they are, which I think is the probably the most impressive thing about the Patriots is that they've they over the years they've gone from Randy Moss to a run team. They've just changed their image, which I think is very impressive. Yeah, and they just still dominate and move the ball at will. And you know, obviously, a lot of it is Tom Brady, and just uh, amazing because I thought looking at this team this year, I was like, you know, they don't seem to be the same team. But I guess this is a case where they said, all right, we'll just kind of get through the regular season and turn it on in the playoffs, which is very difficult to do. But I guess with all the talent they have and the experience where they've been there, they're able to do it because they've actually played two of their best games, I think, the last uh, two weeks. Absolutely. But let me say this. Their division is wretched. I mean, they should make the playoffs every year between the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets. Seriously? It is, but I I agree with that, and it gives them a good foundation to get there. But they still also get one of the toughest schedules each year, finishing near the top. And they still do well out of division. Right. Right, but I mean, it puts them in a position. Eleven and five should be the norm for them moving forward, not fourteen and two. Right, and it it does put them in a position where they have an easier chance to get that first round by compared to some of the other teams. Right, and then if they win two games, which they did, and good for them for winning those two games. I'm not knocking that one bit. But you would argue the Chargers and Chiefs were flawed teams. I don't think if the Patriots are the NFC. They're not beating the Saints and they're not beating the Rams. I think those teams are, are not as flawed as the, the Chargers had no run defense and the Chiefs had no run defense either. Flawed. Yeah, Chiefs defense was not good. We know that the Saints defense is good. They, they still played pretty well defensively last week. Yeah. And look, I think the Rams are, as much as I like Sony Michelle, and I do, I think the Rams are going to stop him. And I think that Brady, if they're going to win, Brady's going to have to throw that football. Yeah, the Rams' defense obviously has played better as the season went along. They were missing some key pieces early. And you looked at this team and you said, look at all this individual talent. Why isn't it coming together? But I think we have seen, you know, uh, Sue really play big last week. A couple big plays. And, of course, Aaron Donald, uh, always difficult to stop. I think my biggest fear this week is Jared Goff. I just, I know he played pretty well last week. and More so in the second half than the first half. But if he puts up a first half, plays in the Super Bowl like he did in the first half against the Saints, they're losing. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have been concerned about Goff and, as the reason why maybe some haven't picked the Rams. But he didn't need to do much against Dallas, so it's kind of hard to evaluate that game. But he came through when they needed against the Saints. You know, on the game-tying drive for the field goal to force the overtime and then in overtime, yeah, I mean, it was their line with a 57-yarder, but he still made some key throws when he needed to. So uh, I think that was a, a good test for him on the road in a hostile environment where you could see early in the game. I mean, they couldn't communicate. They didn't hear plays. No, they couldn't hear plays. It was a, it was a hot, like you said, a hostile environment. But, you know, let's give it up for GZ, dude. Greg Zerline shows you that if you have a weapon at kicker, it is game-changing. You think the Bears would have won that game with Cody Parkey? Hell no. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I could give you 10, tw- 10, 20 teams that wouldn't have won that game. So I put this tweet out last night because I was looking at player props and I said, okay, what is crazy here? Like if you're going to take a a big leap of faith, we know the quarterbacks are going to be near the top. There have been 29 quarterback Super Bowl MVPs. If that was the Super Bowl last week between the Saints and the Rams, who was the MVP of the game? Zerline. That's what I thought too. 
right? Yeah, for I mean, sure. There was, there's no one on offense you could point to. Cook's at right. 7 for 107. That's not an MVP performance. It's okay. A couple people told right, me right. Goff, but he was 297, one touchdown. It's not an MVP performance. No, uh, the 57-yard field goal to win it, dude, that was MVP performance. And to it tie was. it. So right. I was like, you know, the odds are obviously really great. I was like, maybe this is the year we get a, 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 a kicker MVP. What's, I mean, it's what's unlikely. The pro- what's the bet? I think it was plus 66, I believe. I take that. Plus, right? Yeah, I if take you that. Put a few bucks on it. So 10, hundred gets bucks? me six sixty. Oh, six thousand six hundred. It was sixty six hundred. Oh, sixty six hundred. Oh, yeah. I thought you said six. Oh, it's wow. so unlikely. Yeah, I, you know what? <laughs> I, it's never been that's, done. That's There's not been, a bad bet, dude. I know because if you think the game's going to be close and Zerline's a big weapon, like those were two key field goals last week, and I know people are probably like, "Oh, you guys are crazy. It's not going to happen." But that's why the odds are are like that. Because Do you like I all look, these Super Bowl prop bets. Uh, some of them are all right. All right. Well, you want to go through them, some of them, next segment? We'll look at them. We could. I mean, I, if you uh, would Aaron Donald be the guy? I mean, he had two sacks. Yes, but Aaron Sue, Donald has a real no, good No, I'm chance. saying for last week, though. Sue had one and a half. Fowler had um, a half. So, I don't know. Oh, no, Donald didn't have two sacks. No, no. GZ is definitely the, the, the MVP of that game. 100%. I think so, too. No question. I'm just talking about the Super Bowl Aaron Donald could be. Oh, yeah, for sure. His odds are near the top, too, though. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll take a little break, a little time out. When we come back, Scout Fantasy Sports, Dr. Roto, along with Adam Ronas, we will look at some of those prop bets for the Super Bowl and give you the best one to choose because we need you to be our rich friend when we return right after this. Fantasy Sports Today. If you have a chance, enjoy the list of uh, former Browns coaches. You can Google it and find it. But it, it goes Butch Davis, uh, Terry Bisky was interim coach for a while, Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini, Pat Shermer, Rob Chudzinski in 2013, Mike Patine, uh, Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, obviously the interim coach, and now Freddie Kitchens. That is from 2001 through 2019. Saturdays, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, we're back. 
for Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto along with Adam Ronas. Ronas, I think we have a really good deal for people for baseball, don't we? Definitely. If you come to ScoutFantasySports.com right now, and if you use the promo code BATS50, you get 50% off your first two months. And we already have a ton of fantasy baseball content out there. We're not even into February yet, and we already have so much content there. Sean Childs continuing to do his in-depth team profiles as he is now in the AL West. AL East, AL Central are complete, and I've written a lot of articles on players changing teams and what it means for their fantasy value going forward. I wrote my first uh, baseball article today. I'm starting to review the FSTA draft. I'll get into my team outlooks and previews. But that's a pretty good deal. If you think about it, you joined today. The next two months, your season started. You're, you got all your draft prep done. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I think now is the time to start if you haven't already. I think sometimes people put it off too long when it comes to baseball. You know, obviously there's a lot of players to look at. And we still have a lot of free agents that haven't signed, too, which is really going to – make drafts interesting if you're doing them now. And what you have to hope is that if you have an AL or an NL only league, that these guys start to get signed. Otherwise, you're going to be taking chances on players that you might lose. All right. So let's see here. I've got some uh, prop bets going on. There's so many. Do you have any like particular sites that you like and things that you look at here? I'm just looking at FanDuel as we speak, but do you like some more than others? Yeah, I mean, usually for me, since I am in Jersey and sports betting is legal now, uh, I'll hop on the DraftKings Sportsbook app or the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So quarterback to pass for most yards, Tom Brady minus 130, Jared Goff plus 100. I mean, obviously the odds are better with Goff, but I think you would probably think that Brady passes for more yards. But if, if you feel, I guess it depends on what you, how you feel the game flow is going to go. Do you like? I mean, do you do you think people bet on all these minutiae in the game, like Tom Brady to throw first touchdown minus three fifty interception plus two fifty? I mean, would you bet on that? Uh, I think the first touchdown is kind of popular. I've done it a couple times this year. Uh, it's worked sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, uh, especially if you get huge odds. You know, I think there was a game where I used Ezekiel Elliott to get the first touchdown. He did. Uh, obviously, he's going to be near the top most of the time. So. Uh, it depends. I mean, obviously, it's a lot of luck involved in that, trying to predict the first touchdown because, you know, there could be a turnover early. It sets up a short touchdown for a running back. So it all depends on what you feel confident in, what your bankroll is, and how much you want to spend. Obviously, there's some element of luck there trying to predict the first touchdown. First running back to reach 50-plus rushing yards. So, Sony Michelle, minus 190. Todd Gurley, plus 150. Why, I think I'd take Gurley in a heartbeat. Well, it's plus 150. So, yeah, if you think he's healthy and you think that he can run the ball, look, it makes sense. I mean, outside of the last week when, when Gurley's been on the field most times this year, he gets the job done. So he's got the two extra weeks. So it all comes down to do you buy the fact that he was telling the truth when he said, yeah, he was healthy and it was just a bad game. Or do you feel that the knee is still an issue? First running back to re reach 20-plus rushing yards, C.J. Anderson minus 410, Rex Burkhead plus 300. Yeah, that one is – I wouldn't Minus I wouldn't touch 410. Dude, yeah, I mean, that How is that no even sense. a good bet? How is that even it's a good not. bet? It's not. <laughs> you got to bet 410 to get 100, dude. I mean, that's yeah. the worst bet ever. There's no point in doing that. It – it doesn't make sense. Even if if it wins, you're risking way too much. And what if <laughs> and what if CJ Anderson comes out and is the guy again? Then you're screwed. Burkett is still situational. Most of his production came late in the game. First receiver to receive to get sixty plus receiving yards, 
Edelman minus 120, Brandon Cooks minus 105. Isn't Edelman mm. a lock? But, I mean, first to reach it could be Cooks on one play. Not a lock, yeah, because Cooks could have a big play. Right. You know, Edelman's more of the dink and dunk guy. It's eight yards here, 13 here. Cooks can pick up 35 in one play. Who will cast, catch a pass first? Edelman minus 30, 130, Brandon Cooks plus 100. That's crazy. I mean, people will bet on anything. It's what I love they about will. gambling. I mean, they will. it is. <laughs> hey, there's a reason why that these books uh, are able to operate like they do. Uh, yeah, that's some of these you just have to say, you know what? It's just not worth it uh, because unless you're getting the favorable odds. Wait, is there? A, I remember last year when we did this, we, there were props on. What song Lady Gaga was going to sing? Oh, there's everything. There's the Gatorade color. I mean, <laughs> right. I, the, honestly, there was something. So someone sent me something. It was 32 pages of uh, prop bets. 32 pages. How about this bet? Opening kickoff return for a touchdown. Plus 8,000, Ronas. Yeah. <laughs> Would you put throw 100 bucks on that? that. Yeah, put 10, put 10, on what, yeah, 10 bucks. <laughs> right? Not the worst thing ever. If you Especially lose. if the Patriots get a Cordell Patterson, could return it for a touchdown. Absolutely. He's, he's done it before, so sure, why not? Take a shot. I mean, I did that recently with the Pacquiao fight. Like, I had good odds for a draw, so I said, all right, I'll put a little, a few bucks on oh, it. Oh, with Broner? With Broner? Yeah. So when it went to decision, I'm like, okay, but I watched the fight. I'm like, there's no way Pacquiao lost, but it's boxing, so you never know. It was a close can, decision. I thought Pacquiao won the fight pretty easily. He did, I but he the, was cl- the decision was, pretty cl- was closer than it should have been. The numbers-wise, yeah. they were closer. Yeah, but you never, except Broner, he thought he won after the fight. I'm like, Yeah, did you really? hear that talking to Jim Gray? That was I'm like, so are you bad, kidding dude. me? <laughs> well, I remember being in Vegas, and it was for, uh, you know, the Fantasy Football World Championships. And that's right when, when the U.S. Open is ending. So it's usually around the same time. And I don't remember, it was Federer maybe? Federer was playing Kay Nishikori. And Nishikori was 2,000 to 1 to win, Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm sitting in the sports book. I go, what's a hundred bucks? Maybe I win 2000. I'm like, nah, federal win. What an idiot. The, the, don't do, don't do that. Sure enough. Nishikori wins that match. So you know, even if you put, even if you put 10 bucks on that, I know, I know, that's right. Why. Just put it, put it less. I'd be a I rich mean, friend. Yeah. So some of those, obviously there's a reason why the odds are so extreme, but if you, you know, have a, a few extra bucks to spare, hey, and you believe in something, you throw it on it and you never know what could happen. All right. Will Greg Zerline miss a field goal? Yes, plus three hundred, no, minus four ten. Mm, I mean he you're better off well the odds obviously are yes, but <laughs> that guy's been uh he was four or four last week. And it's indoors <laughs> too. That's the other yeah. thing. It's Did he so. can, see that that's why it's such a big difference. And I think, you know, we were talking about this before the break about you know, the truth of the matter is that GZ could win the MVP. He is such a difference maker in a dome because he's better than Goskowski. He's got a bigger lead than Goskowski. At the end of that game, he could kick a 65-yarder, and Goskowski can't. Yeah, they're both plus 6,600. Again, no kicker has ever won the Super Bowl MVP, and I think everything needs to break right for it to happen. Even with last week where we both agree that it was Zerline, would the voters actually sit there and vote for Zerline? I don't know. You know, we always see the we seen quarterbacks get Super Bowl MVP and they didn't even play well. I know they 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 do not. Well, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I, I know there have been defensive MVPs. Yes, right. I just can't remember. Von Miller. Von Miller. Yes, was okay. the last one. Okay. Larry Brown. And Larry Brown. For Dallas right. when he had the two right. interceptions. Right. So usually it's a guy who makes a couple of sacks or who gets a pick. 
right, a game-changing pick, right? It's never going to be a linebacker. Uh, we, I think we've seen, yeah, well, Von Miller was the last linebacker to win. But he we've gets seen sacks. defensive backs win. Right. We've never seen a kicker win. No. We've seen quarterbacks always win. 29 of the Super Bowl MVPs have been quarterbacks. Wow. Running backs have won. I mean, I remember Timmy Smith. I remember a lot of running backs winning. It's been a while, though. The last running back to win Super Bowl MVP was Terrell Davis. Really? Mm-hmm. That's a long time ago. How right? about this, Doc? I, so there was a five-year stretch. Three times in five years, a wide receiver won Super Bowl MVP. Deion Branch. Right. Deion Branch, Heinz Ward, Santonio Holmes. The crazy thing is, Deion Branch didn't even score a touchdown that year. He just set the How Super Bowl you, record at the time with 11 receptions. Oh, well, you got to, I mean, 11 receptions is worth a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, did Malcolm, Holmes, did Malcolm Butler win the MVP that year? Which year? When he had the he interception? He never won. For? Against the Seahawks. Remember he had the interception at the end of the game? Did he win the MVP? Malcolm Smith, you mean? No, Belt Butler, the quarterback. No, he didn't win. He didn't win. That was a pretty good play, though, dude. Jordan, remember they, they didn't hand off the ball to Marshall, Marshawn right. Lynch? They threw mm-hmm. the ball, and he had the interception, and that yeah. was the game over. That, that was an MVP-winning performance. Malcolm there. Smith, you're talking about, for Seattle, the, line, the linebacker who had the interception, right? No, I'm talking about Malcolm. Oh, okay, Mal- okay. I'm thinking Malcolm the other Butler, right? where Seattle yeah. won. Seattle, Malcolm Smith had the MVP when Seattle right. won. Right. I'm talking about the one where Seattle lost, where they should have run the ball to Lynch, and they didn't. No, nah, he didn't get it. Right. Okay. Oh, Malcolm Smith won. Yeah. Who'd they play then? Who'd they beat? I don't even remember. Do you remember Super Bowls? That was Denver, games? wasn't it? Yeah. Do you, I mean, I, I know this sounds crazy, and you'd think that, hey, Dr. Rodeo, you're such a sports guy. I, I know the Super Bowls when they happen, but if you ask me now, right, 20 you for, years I ago, forget them too. Totally forget them. <laughs> totally forget them. I mean, That's I remember why some. I, I, seen, I see a lot of the Super Bowl highlight packages they had on NFL Network. I actually recorded some of them to kind of, but I didn't watch any of them yet. But I think like a couple days ago, they had like Super Bowl highlights just throughout the day, like a half hour for each Super Bowl. And I was like, oh, the ones that I found interesting or forgot about, I recorded. I want to go back and watch some of them, especially the Cowboy ones. Don't laugh. I have watched those when I was a kid. So I know the ones from the 70s better than I know what happened 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember watching, you know, uh, John Madden against, uh, you know, and that one, or or the Cowboys against the Steelers. I remember watching the, the NFL films, you know, Steve Sable and all that stuff. Yes. I, you know, I remember those like they were yesterday, but I mean, I can't, sometimes, if you told me Malcolm Smith, I'd be like, who's that? I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, you, you tend right? to forget these things. <laughs> I know. They seem so important at the time. I mean, Nick Foles was important at the time. I think I'm just year to year with that. No, I'm, I'm kind of the same way, too. And maybe, maybe also because the Patriots are just in it every year for the past decade, I've just stopped paying attention. It's crazy, man, how often. That, I mean, three straight years to the Super Bowl, nine in 18 years. I mean, come on. There are teams, people that haven't even seen their team reach the Super Bowl ever. Nine in 18 years. I mean, that is a feat that will never be repeated. I don't think so either. I've been saying that too. And, you know, you hate to say that, but the way the NFL is set up now and the way teams can improve year to year – uh, it's going to be really difficult to see that happening again. Now, I do think the Chiefs have a legitimate chance because I think the Patriots have the best coach with the best quarterback. And those two ingredients put you right there. And I think that Mahomes is the best player in the NFL moving forward. I do, Adam. I think Andy Reid is a good enough coach to get to the Super Bowl, but that defense is t- terrible. 
Yeah, they clearly, I think when you see their entire draft, it's going to be all defenders. It has to be. I mean, they clearly have enough on offense. But could we agree, is it possible to think that the Chiefs could be in two of the next four Super Bowls? Uh, yeah, it's possible for sure. I mean, do you think Kareem Hunt's playing in that game, there's any difference? Uh, no. Uh, no, I don't think so. Do you read the report Kareem Hunt look at the, going to the Eagles? Yeah, that, that would be a... Uh... They certainly could use a running back. You know, they basically were playing two, three running backs most of the time this year. Yeah, Kareem Hunt to that offense uh, would be a big boost. Why wouldn't you just take Bell? I'd much rather sign Bell than go for Kareem Hunt. You want to deal with all that? You want to deal? You're the yeah, general you manager. Pay of the Bell, you got to pay Bell a lot of money. Okay, but I mean Hunt, dude. I mean that's a, that. I don't know. I well, think the PR a, it, is bad. It is bad, but you know you obviously have to do extensive research before, and you have to. You, you know you're taking a big shot. So any team who does bring him on, they are going to be prepared for all that. I mean, the Eagles did it with Vic. I know, but we've talked about this before. I believe that Kareem Hunt did not get thrown out of the NFL for doing what he did. I think he got thrown out of the NFL for lying to the Chiefs. Like, had the Chiefs just known what happened, I think they would have defended him better. Yeah, I mean, that seems or either that or they were – doing the PR thing. Maybe they did know and they said, you know what, this looks bad. We have to act quick. And No, from what I read, they didn't know. He was lying to them. He was in the hotel. Like, they knew something happened, but this guy was denying the crap out of it. And then finally he admitted it and they're like, I, no, done. You lied to my face 10 times. Yeah, it's that. And also they, they probably felt, look, we got to make a bold move and come out on top of this immediately. Do you know how lucky they got with Damian Williams, by the way? They did. I mean, you could also say it's a system thing and maybe almost any talented running back that they put in there could have produced because we've seen that with a lot of teams where it doesn't really matter who the running back is just because the system works. We've seen Andy Reid. No, but Williams running backs under him always runs and he blocks well. He does everything they need. He's a pretty good player. No, he looked good for sure. And we've seen this a lot. Running backs don't do much on a certain team. Don't get much of a chance. Go to a better offense, get another opportunity and thrive. So I don't know if we've talked about this or not. I'm just going to change um, for a little bit here. Did you see Adam Gase's eyeballs, dude, at that press conference? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I talked what about that. What the hell was that guy smoking, dude? Well, supposedly. He possessed. Whoa, I know, whoa. but supposedly they were saying that it happened in Miami, too, and that's why he was always wearing a, a cap where the bill covered his eyes. Then there were other things that, that said He's that. got some crazy eyes, dude. Right, that he was kind of like not used to, you know, all those lights and everything. Clearly, there's something there, but I know everyone's like, oh, he's on something. But I think there was also someone said uh, there was an article that he has some type of uh, performance there, uh, some type of issue with his eyes or something. Performance anxiety, honest? Maybe. But I'm like, wait, is that the right guy to put in New York then? Yeah, exactly. Well, that, you know, people don't think about that. I used to think about that, and I know you, you hate this team, but I used to think about the Yankees years ago. There were some guys who came to New York and just thrived. And there were some guys who came to New York, i.e. Randy Johnson, who crumbled. They just couldn't play in New York. It was the wrong spot for them. I, I, I looked at Adam Gase's eyeballs, dude, and this guy should not be in New York. Uh, well, it's, it was a running joke. Obviously, there was a lot of memes, and everyone was talking about it. So it definitely looked real weird, man. I'm sitting there. I'm like, is, is this for real? And some of the memes that were 
done were, were crazy, man. They were funny. Did you see the one with the tacos and his eyes following the tacos around? <laughs> no. no. You said that to me. Yeah, I mean. Just, where, do you, where do people get all these memes? I, I'm, that's I, I guess people, I, I was saying this. I guess people have a lot of time on their hands. Maybe it's easy to do. I don't know how to create all that stuff. I don't have the time to do that, man. I'm just too busy. Oh, so you, you just know. find a picture, then you create your own meme? Well, uh, or GIF. Like the, this one was like, okay. you know. That it had like a taco, and wherever Gase's eyes went, the taco went. So, <laughs> I mean, people do crazy stuff on the internet. I don't know where they find the time to do it. Maybe it's simple. Maybe it's real easy. I don't know. I'm I sure it's simple. The time I have to, to ask it. my daughter. My daughter knows this stuff. When I ask my daughter questions, she just rolls her eyes and like, really? Like you don't it's know? It's crazy, this? right? How, I have, like, like, the no younger idea. kids yeah. know how to do this stuff like so easily. Right. Like I'm sure my son could hack my computer. I could barely turn it on. <laughs> I'm surprised you still know how to use it. Dude, ITT Tech, dude. I got my my advanced degrees from there. When I started to work, when I started to work at Scout, they didn't realize how bad it was, Ronus. Yeah, they were like, really? And, and then uh, Tommy gotta... G's like, if Doc, if Doc could do it, I could do it. That was the, that was the old <laughs> joke because I couldn't do anything. All right, you want to talk a little baseball when we come back? Yeah, absolutely. All right, a couple guys uh, getting some money. Some guys. There's a guy who's getting a whole lot of money who was just drafted in the second round of the FSTA draft. And I want to talk to Adam about this. Adam, there's a guy, he's a Kansas City Royal who just got about $16 million. Want to know whether he's worth it. We're Scout Fantasy Sports, Dr. Road along with Adam Ronis, and we'll be back right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. The morning after. Anthony Davis can legit not show up for the rest of the year and force the Pelicans to move him. It's not going to be cheap for Anthony Davis. Basically, you're going to give up Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Mangrum. That's where you start if you're the Pelicans. If you're the Lakers, you can say you can have one or you lose the player altogether. They can trade him somewhere else, Corey. There's no law that says the Pelicans. Anthony Davis wants to get paid, bro. I get what you're saying. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? 
go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. All right, we're back. Scout Fantasy Sports, Dr. Roto, along with Adam Ronis. And check out the DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back in 2019 with all new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. Check out the all new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities in the simulator, outright and top 20 market betting tools, head to head and three ball betting tools, PGA Pro tips, subscriber chat, and more. Go to dailyroto.com, click on Go Premium, choose Golf, and enter the promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's dailyroto.com, click on Go Premium, click on Golf, and enter the promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. And Ronas, you know I love my PGA Golf. Two weeks ago, dude, I was 36 overall in one of those tournaments. I know. How'd you fare this past weekend? Yeah, not as good. <laughs> that's but that's the way golf is, right? It's very volatile. Well, I got I had four out of six guys make the cut, and once that happens, you're toast. So I still cash in a couple of teams, but you make the big money when you go six out of six. You make some money when you're five out of six, and you pray to make any money when you're less than that. Okay, so yeah, and we know just week to week how you know even the top golfers can have a bad week, and, and it really just changes everything. Well, the, the key is, is that you know there are three or four guys that you want to put in, right? And they're usually expensive. So then you've got to find two or three guys that are, in the ch- that are cheaper, right? So it's kind of like finding a cheap tight end. You know, how many weeks did your guy go zero, get a zero in there? Yeah. Right? We, what we was that guy that really liked? Uh, Matt Lacoste with a big fat zero, right? Right. If your guy doesn't make the cut, you're not going to win. So you, you need to find those guys who can make the cut and then give you a you know, T30, T40 performance, and then you can win big. Okay. I know you love your golf. I do love my golf ones. All right. Let's talk about a little fantasy baseball here. So two things. First of all, Whit Merrifield got a big option, $16.25 million. Is he worth this big uh, chunk of money here? Because he just went in the second round of the FSTA draft. Uh, Brent Hershey and Ray Murphy at Baseball HQ took him right before I picked in the second round. Do you like that move there? Well, they didn't. Well, the Royals didn't spend a ton of money because it's uh, that's the total money in his contract. So they got him for pretty cheap. Now he is thirty years old. Uh, he's had two good years now in a row. This is paying for steals. Uh, there were only four players in baseball to steal more than thirty bases last year. Merrifield was one of them, and he had forty-five. So he gives you that high floor. He does hit for average, also two eighty-eight two years ago, three hundred four last year. But it's just really difficult for me to take a guy that early that I'm just not going to get a lot of power or RBIs from. Uh, I think most guys who give you a ton of RBIs hit third or fourth, and they're going to go in the first two rounds. So when you have Merrifield giving you you know 60 to 70 RBIs, I don't see how you can project more. Uh, he's probably going to hit third in this lineup. Uh, we'll see if they put Mondesi lead off. I mean, he doesn't have the typical on-base skills, but when you look at this roster, like where else are they going? Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming Merrifield hits two or three. Just feel like there's not going to be a ton of RBI opportunities. I don't think he has a shot at 100 runs. So you're looking at what, 15 homers, 60 RBIs? Yeah, the steals are great. Maybe you get 35 to 40, you get a great average. But it's just not someone I want to take there in round two. I was kind of, and I'm not dissing Brent and Ray. They know more about baseball than I'll never know. Okay, they just know more. They, they, they write, that's what they do year round. Okay, and I don't. But that they left, that they took Merrifield over Javier Baez, shocked me, dude. 
I mean, I've seen buyers go as early as 11 and 12 in the NFBC. And here I was getting buyers at the, in like where I picked in round two, and they took Merrifield in front of them. I was a little shocked with that. Yeah, I actually was surprised that buyers fell that far because I have seen them go 12, 13, 14, sometimes in a 15-team league on the turd. And I understand why there are concerns about Baez, but uh, because of his approach at the plate, he just barely walks. But, you know, the speed's going to be there. Uh, you're going to get power. It's a good lineup, and he's 26 years old. So even if he does take a step down from last year, you're probably still looking at, you know, 15 steals, 25 to 30 home runs, and I don't think he hits 290 again, but he can hit 270, 275. So he gives you that high floor. I just think that we're seeing a lot of people who are just so – cognizant of paying for stolen bases and it's pushing all these guys up the board and that's why you have to pay for a guy like Whit Merrifield so let me ask you this and I think this is very important to roster construction never in my wildest dreams did I think that I was going to get Javier Baez in round two I was I was literally penciling in Cole or Nola but there I was at the draft, and Baez falls to me. And I say to myself, how do I not take him? I can't not take him at this point. The value's too great. You're a very great baseball player, fantasy baseball player. Do you go in with a strategy where, all right, I want to take you know, a pitcher there? Or would you have taken, you know, do you, do you adjust your strategy on the go depending what happens? Like, like I'm just saying, Mike, I, I changed what I wanted to do. Do you do things like that too at a draft? Yeah, I think you go in with a blueprint. You know where you're picking. You're like, okay, this is probably what I'm looking at here in the first three rounds. But you have to adjust, and that's the key. Uh, I've always said, you know, if someone is going to present value to you, take it. You know, take advantage of uh, what you're not expecting to see. So I did not think Baez would fall that late, too, because I've just seen him go earlier in drafts. Uh, clearly, this was a room where maybe other people don't feel as good about him. But the where you were picking where you're at four so you pretty much know okay you have to map it out like all right well i really want a starting pitcher here so if four or five starting pitchers go am i happy with what's left you have to look at it like that and you probably go yeah you know what i i do like these two better than the rest but i'm okay getting the fourth fifth sixth rank guy on the turn so I, you have to map it out and because you're picking four you can kind of see what the other three teams behind you are doing it's tougher to, to do that in the first two or three rounds because you don't know. Someone might take two pitchers. Someone might not take any. But uh, you do have to adjust on the fly. And, again, you can always come in with a blueprint, an idea of what you want to do, but you have to quickly adjust if things uh, are not going the way that you expected. I think there's a huge advantage to picking third, fourth, tenth, eleventh, because I, you really can look at the three teams behind you and see what they're doing. I think when you're picking like six, seven, eight, nine, very hard to do that. I really do. When I'm picking now on the way on an even round, I'm absolute look. So this just happened recently. So um, it was round 12, 13, and I wanted a closer. But I knew that Colton and the Wolfman had two closers. I knew that USA Today had two closers, and I knew that Jeff Erickson only had one. So I ended up taking Buxton. Knowing that I wanted Jose Alvarado, but saying, look, only one, one guy may take him and the other two are not. So I use that to my advantage. I don't think people do that enough in drafts. No, they don't. And I do think you need to be aware. Now, it's possible that maybe one of those teams surprises you and takes a third closer. It's unlikely, especially with the volatility at the position. And as you get further down the list of closers, you don't feel good about them. 
but you have to take that shot. But by you looking, it helped you make a decision to say, okay, these are the where I want to go with these two picks. You know what? Based on what the teams behind me have, I think I could wait on the closer, push him to the next round, and, and take the bat that I want now. And I just think that people, you know, roster construction is critical. We talk about that a lot. You know, these are things that you can't get on a draft kit, right? But, I mean, I think I'd like people out there who are listening to us to understand that. Know where you're picking. Know about your roster construction. And then look at the people around you. And, you know, Adam, I always go back to that argument that we had on the air with the king who said that he never looked at anybody else's team. And I'm like, you can't draft in a vacuum. I'll, I'll never forget that conversation because it blew my mind because I'm always looking at the teams around me. Right. Look, you can't concern yourself with what other teams do, but you should look at their roster because it helps you make a better pick because we've all been through this. If you're picking on the end, you're like, oh, I really want this guy and this guy, but which one do I take first? Well, by looking at the other person's team, it can help you lean in a certain direction. And you might guess wrong. It's possible. You might say, wow, I did not think they were going to do that. But the, just like anything, you want to increase your odds of getting the player you want. And by looking at the team beside you, you can figure it out. You know, Maybe you really want a shortstop, and you look at the team picking after you, and you see, wow, they already have two shortstops. So are they really going to clog up the utility in round 15? Probably not. So I can hold off on the shortstop that I'm looking at and take the pitcher instead because they need pitching. So it absolutely pays to do that. It makes no sense not to do it. All it requires is a little effort in analyzing a team quickly. All right, you mentioned closers before. So let me let me get your opinion on closers. So imagine it's a you know 28-round draft, 29-round draft, the usual. When are you taking your first closer? And then do you take a second closer? What, what's your strategy? You know, you're drafting tomorrow. What, what, what do you think you're going to do going in? I'm going to try and get one uh, probably anywhere from rounds 8 to 12. It's just kind of feel for the draft and seeing what's on the board. And then I'll probably take another one later. But right now, there are certain spots where we don't even know who the closer is. and We're speculating, and that's the positive and negative things about drafting here in January. And most people are going to have their real drafts in March anyway. But I try to get at least one solid one and speculate on a couple of setup men that maybe will get the job either due to injury in front of them or ineffectiveness. So uh, I want to get one solid one in a 15-team league if I can and then kind of figure out the rest. And that's pretty much what I've been doing in Tout Wars. You know, Blake Trinan was my guy last year and then just took flyers on a bunch of guys. And we know that there's going to be a lot of free agents do you know Blake Trina went round five in the FSTA? Round five, yes, dude. I know. Crazy. That's why this year I probably won't have him anywhere. I mean, I had him on all my teams last year because uh, the price was cheap, and I thought that going to Oakland after his second half in 2017, I said, you know what? This is a, He's got the stuff, and I just think there was pressure in Washington. More eyes were watching. It was, the, there was a team battling for first place. I don't know if that was it, but he just didn't seem like he was – comfortable there he goes to Oakland had a great second half and he I expected him to be really good last year but not to the level he was I mean his ERA and whip were tremendous he only allowed two home runs but you're paying for last year's stats and I think he's good I think he's legit but I'm not paying a fifth round price tag for him no you're paying full, it's like paying a dollar twenty for a thing that costs you a dollar you're, you're overpaying for him I mean he's good but you're I literally think when when I heard his name in round five I was like wow that was early 
I'm not surprised surprise. because people, we see this with closes every year. It's kind of based on last year's stats. I mean, look who the top two guys are in most drafts. Edwin Diaz and Blake Trinan. Where were they going last year? Late. I mean, because of, now they both had tremendous years, not just in the amount of saves for Diaz, obviously, but their ERA whip and strikeouts. But we know from year to year, relievers can be volatile. And Diaz going to a new environment in New York. What if he gets off to a slow start, blows a save? First day of the season. Oh, he could get mental he, yeah, easily. I thought the strangest thing. Now, Jeff Erickson knows a ton about baseball. Once again, a guy who knows more a ton about baseball. He took Aros Vizcaino in round 10 and then took A.J. Minter in round 15. Would you have taken two guys like that in the first 15 rounds? I thought that was – I know the Braves are going to be good, but, I, man, I'm picking up the, guy, the closer and his setup guy within 15 rounds. I thought that was wasteful. Yeah, I think he's hedging here where he's like, okay, who, who's going to close for the Braves? And he probably thought it was this guy, you know, and then probably as he went further on, he's like, well, maybe it's possible Minter gets the job. And it is January, so he probably says, all right, well, hopefully by opening day a decision is made and then he can possibly cut one of them for someone else. I'm not sure, but that would be my guess there because – I don't think it's clear right now which guy is the closer. We did see Vizcaino have the job. He got hurt. Minter came in, was pretty good. Minter's a lefty. Vizcaino's a righty. We know most teams prefer to go with a righty closer, or so it seems that way. So that's my guess there, is he was kind of hedging and saying, all right, hopefully I have the Braves locked up now. What if they go out inside Craig Kimbrell? I don't know if they will, but if they do that, then he's kind of screwed. Well, I took Minter in a draft champion, my the one draft champions league I did. And by the way, everybody out there, and I'm being transparent as anything i knew nothing about baseball two two or three weeks ago nothing i i was so locked in in football but I, adam i joined a draft champions league i did 50 rounds i'm, I'm up to speed i mean i'm not i'm not adam ronas up to speed but i'm getting there yeah no that's very useful i've i've always do them I always start in january uh one is complete the one i'm in now i think is round 31 so as you go along you know you're kind of doing research and so you're drafting where you can win some money, and at the same time, you're doing some research along the way, especially you know with certain players. You know, you're looking at four players in a certain spot. As you get deeper into the draft, you kind of go back and look at some numbers. Maybe you forgot something. Maybe there was a pitcher who made a change in his repertoire. So there's so many things where it could help you along the way, and that's why I like doing it because it forces you to kind of dive deep into the player pool. And, I, you know, it was a big change this year. It, it went from, what, eight hours? That was down to four hours. And my friend was in one that was two hours. He said, Well, no, this is, what, this is what happens. So it's thir- the first 30 rounds, it's four hours. After, when it goes to round 31, it goes to two, two hours. No, but my friend was in one that was two hours that went to one hour after Jeez, 30 rounds. That's crazy, man. He said every time he went out to get some milk, he came back, and they did three rounds. That's insane, man. Like, and and everybody understand. was fast. They were lightning fast. Everybody's autoing the picks. People have no patience anymore, man. Like, I don't even know why there's slow drafts because people complain no matter what. Oh, this guy's taking forever. Like, don't sign up for a slow draft then if you're going to complain. Like, no, you have four, to know. The four hours going to. to two was, was great. I had no problem with that. There were like one or two times over the two or three weeks that I was a little slow personally. But for the most part, I had no problem with it. That's why. I mean, things happen. You know, everyone has a different schedule and things to do. And there are going to be occasions where maybe you are away for a few hours and you can't get to it. Well, this FSTA draft has no clock, dude. I don't think we're finishing by tout. What? It's a four-day clock, I heard, right? Four-day? I didn't know. No, it's just run. The clock is literally at 114 hours, 50 minutes, and 17 seconds. Right. So it's like four, the clock's four days. You have four days to pick, which is insane. Why don't they put in a time? I don't, Even if they, well, 
Even if it's six they hours. They didn't want to. I said that. I just wrote Charlie Weigert. I said, Charlie, do you think we could just put a six-hour clock? Because guys don't want to do anything. I mean, literally, they, they, I, I, I may not make a pick today. All I ask is to make two, two picks a day. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Look, I, I see both sides of it. I, I get mad when people complain about four, six-hour clocks not going fast enough. Again, don't sign up. But to have no time. It's kind of ridiculous because especially now with so much news breaking and still many unsigned free agents, you know, if someone really wanted to, they could say, all right, I'm just going to wait it out. Maybe someone signs and becomes a closer here or, you know, goes to a better team. And then all of a sudden, because you've seen, I've already seen it in my Jeff drafts. Jeff Mans like, may let the four hour, four day clock go just to be Jeff Mans. Uh, well, it's, I guess it's within the rules, right? He can do <laughs> right, it. Anyone can do, do it. it. No, he could probably say, I know this pisses off everybody. I don't care. I'm willing to go four days. Yeah, some yeah. people like to piss people off. So. I know. I, I don't know. I, I think even eight hours is slow, but at least you know people will check. That's right, have a time restriction on it. Like, right. this clock is ridiculous because I see it now. It says 114 <laughs> hours, 48 minutes. Like, come on. That's insane. Put some time limit on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I, I, like I said, I emailed Charlie, so uh, we'll have to see. I, I don't think I'm going to get the answer I want, Ronis. I'm just Probably not. Out. Like, ah, just deal with it. It's January 28th. We'll be done by March anyway. Yeah, exactly. All right, Ronis, what's, what's coming on in hour number two? Yeah, we talk, I'll talk a little bit about Anthony Davis. I'll preview the night in NBA DFS already. Some injury news with players out. And Jessica Kleinschmidt, who covers... Bay Area Sports for NBC Sports. She'll join me at 3.20 p.m. Eastern to talk some baseball. Sounds like a good second hour there. I'm sorry I'm going to miss it, but I'll be back tomorrow. We'll do some more uh, little football, a little more baseball, and everything else we can, all right? Definitely. All right, don't miss me too much. I'll try not to. All right, guys. Dr. Rona saying be well, Dick. Take care. Rona's back for the next hour. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 fantasy sports radio network.